I have a gorgeous message. I'm so excited. Um, this has just been ministering to me. So I figure if it's ministering to me, it'll minister to you. We're going to talk about God's radical love for us. And, you know, a lot of we, we, we talk about this all the time, sort of like yada, 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 you know, kind of been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. No, we really haven't. <laughs> Jesus bought the T-shirt. Uh, you know, he is love and we need fresh encounters, um, a, a fresh washing over. This is the place we live from. So we never outgrow this. You know, I, I kind of get um, criticized for talking about love all the time. Well, what about his justice? What about his wrath? You know, what about sin? All of that's like, yeah, that is all about his love because he is the person of love. And this is our deepest, greatest need. And it's really the substance of who he made us to be unveiled in his image and likeness. And so we get to talk about this. So let's uh, go to Ephesians 1, 4. Uh, I'm reading this uh, from the Passion Translation 2018 version. And it says, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love, he ordained us or the air makes us marked us with love, right? So yay. So that we would be holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. So this is you. This is me. This is how he sees us. And this is how he chose us. You have been chosen. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Now we need to choose him back. Let's do that. Let's, let's be wise so we can experience eternal life. Uh, but it's already been established. Your union with God has been established because of his great love, <laughs> right? This is, uh, he couldn't help himself. I love my kids. And so I can't help myself, right? to love him. And it, and it's before the foundation of the universe, so it's already been established. Um, and that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. Now, this is not God turning a blind eye. No one knows better than God about all the sin crap we have. This is actually, let me think, oh yeah, why he came <laughs> in the flesh uh, during Christmas, our Christmas uh, uh, celebration. Um, that we talk about. He came to the flesh because of his great love to grow up and become a sacrifice for our delusions, for our willful rebellion, for our willful ways of being that are broken and entered into that for us. Every place where we feel separate, every place where we violate love, that's what he came for. And it was because of love. Um, in keeping, I want to talk about Second Timothy 1, uh, 9. It says, he gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good we have done. Oh, my God, isn't that good news, right? 
I mean, basically, if my salvation is up to me, if me trying to please God so that he helps me, blesses me, saves me is up to me, I'm screwed. And so are you. <laughs> this is not our, about our performance. It's about his and love is the perfect performance, right? But by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that he confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. So God loved you so much as he created you before the foundation of the world in his image and likeness, marked by love, your the workmanship, the poem to the world with a purpose and keeping. He had to secure you. Yeah. He had to secure you even against your own delusions <laughs> of, I don't want him. I don't need him. I don't believe there's a God. Well, like, okay, stop talking. Right. So uh, this is God's radical love for us. He's not waiting for us to behave before he loves us. Uh, he's not waiting for us to repent before he lo- he just loves us. Whether we repent or behave. Now, repenting and behaving is actually a really good idea. And it's actually the fact that we are so radically loved that we can be secure as sons and daughters uh, to operate as sons and daughters. Um, let's go to John 16, um, uh, starting at verse 9. Uh, and this is a passion translation. It says, this is Jesus. Now, set this up a little bit. This is the night before he knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be betrayed, turned into the authorities, that he would be uh, flogged so that his flesh was filleted open. So this was not a minor tap that he would be have to carry a cross on that mutilated flesh uh, and be strung up and undergo the agony of asphyxiation while he was being mocked naked on a cross and all of that. Okay. This is what he knew. And he, he didn't want to do it. Like he had asked father, you know, if it's all possible, remove this cup, this cup of suffering, this cup of becoming sin for the entire world and experience the human experience of separation from God, which was the worst part, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Entering in our delusion of separation, he knew would have that and, um, and, and said, Father, if you can remove this cup, do it. And, but he said, but not my will, but your will. And God's will was not only, was not only for, um, the chosen ones. We're all chosen, I guess is what I'm trying to say to redeem back all his kids. And that's what it took. So he knew this. Okay. And now he's talking to his disciples, his 12, that he's leaving. He knows he's leaving his entire ministry. He's 33 years old. Um, and he's, he knows he's going out. So this is his last chance in the flesh to start ministering to the 12 people who are pretty much clueless idiots. I'm just saying, bless their little hearts, bless our little hearts where we're clueless idiots. Um, and I'm leaving this to me, to you. And one of them he knew was his betrayer that would betray him with a kiss. Okay. So he's talking to them, verse nine. I love each of you with the same love that the father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. 
If you keep my commands, this is the commandment of love, you will live in my love just as I have kept my father's commands of love. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. Okay, so let's stop there. Jesus loves you as the 100% human, 100% God um, loves you with the same love that the Father loves him. That's how much he loves you. And he's speaking to us. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. You know, where our hearts are broken, they need nourishment. Where our hearts are shattered or squashed, they need nourishment. Where our hearts are deluded um, and oppressed and maybe even demonized, they need nourishment. We need to be nourished. It says, if you keep my commands, the commands of love, that's choosing to bow down. Oh, not my will to hate, to uh, be bitter, to take offense, to judge, but your will, God, to love. So this is a choice as an act of our will. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love. So it's not like you got to keep his commands in order for him to love you. No, to experience that and live in it, it's our bowing down to our right to hate, to our right to be bitter, to our right to judge, to our right to um, whatever, harm others, to our right, quote unquote, to harm ourselves. Okay. Um, This is living in his love. Just as I have kept my father's commands, for I live continually nourished and empowered by his love. So he was giving you the secret sauce. How could Jesus as a man, as a human being, uh, be able to say yes to the cross, to say yes to everything the cross meant, which means becoming sin on behalf of humanity, right? All of that. How could he say? Because he lived continually nourished and empowered. This is why he'd go off to the mountains to pray. He'd be like, okay, I'm tapped out here, <laughs> healing all y'all or whatever. Okay. All right. Or dealing with my 12 beloved idiots. Okay. I am, I, I got to go spend time with my father. This is living in that empowerment, spending time practicing living in that and letting his love nourish you. It takes practice. If I get more questions I need to, uh, with this, it's how, how do you, well, how do we, we're, we practice, we practice living in God's love and letting it nourish. And we go back to, and, and we never graduate from this. You know, this is not a check. I got it. No, you don't. Cause when you're completely conformed into the image of love, into the image of Christ, you got it. And when I'm that, I got it. So in the meantime, I'm just going to live continually nourished and empowered and practice that so I can do the one command that he commanded, which is to love as he loves. And that means love others. That means forgive others. That means love myself. That means forgive myself. That means loving, oh my goodness, loving uh, the planet, right? Loving creation, loving, I mean, just loving, right? That's what he he said. Okay. Um, and then he goes on in verse 11, my purpose for telling you these things. So this is his purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experienced, that Jesus experienced will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Okay. That's his motive. He loves you and he wants you to live 
your heart to be, because it's so well-loved and so well-nourished and so forgiven of all the crap that we've done, right? That it starts overflowing with overflowing gladness. You know, when God rescues your butt out of the hellish stuff that's happened to you or the hellish stuff that you've done or the hellish stuff that you've partaken of or all of that, and he does it just because he loves you at your worst, most depraved moment. Wow, it's so overwhelming because you know that behavior doesn't deserve it, but you're encountering a God who says, honey, come here, let me clean you up. That despicable thing that you did, yeah, let, let me, for, I'm, I've forgiven you, now let me clean you up, right? And then your hearts overflow with gladness. So verse 12, this is the buildup. So this is my command. Everybody's so worried about pleasing God. Well, number one, he's pre-pleased, but this is his command. You ready? Um, love each other deeply as I have loved you. See, let your heart be nourished. Understand how this unfolds. You cannot do squat apart from him. Let's be very clear. I mean, let me put it this way. Squat you cannot do anything of eternal value. You can do a lot of stupid. And we do as we act as if we're apart from him. Okay. But um, the greatest thing that we can do is let him love us. Let him nourish us. Let him heal us. And then our hearts do what they were designed to do. Because we're in the image and likeness of love. Our hearts just love as an overflow. This is not a work. This is his work in us to heal us so that we're able to do the one thing that he commands, which is to love as he loves. And we need to let him do this. And we need to choose as an act of our wills to forgive ourselves, to forgive others. We need to choose as an act of our will not to judge. Yesterday I was shopping and I made this judgment on this person and I was so disgusted with myself. I'm like, Catherine, you preach this. And then what did I do? Okay. I forgive myself. I repent. This is person. And then I started seeing how beautiful this person was. And, and I forgave myself, right? So this is God working in me to love as he loves. It's so good. So if you're failing, this is why you need a savior. Just relax, but don't give yourself excuses. Okay. And you're loved in the midst where you fail. If you're not loved when you fail, you're not loved. All right. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. She was, that sounds like someone. Oh yeah, that sounds like God. Okay. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. This is Jesus sacrificing his life for you because he's your elder brother. He's your, your, your friend. He's actually your bridegroom. Okay. Uh, you show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. You show. Okay, so it's not like, well, you earn my friendship when you get it right. No, it's like you show the truth that you already are my intimate friends. God does not have enemies. You're his intimate friend. And so as you let that heal your hearts, how how loved you are, how accepted you are, how present he is, all of that. Then you wake up like, wow, I'm so loved. And I've got this incredible friend who's always there and never condemns me and always loves me and is there to help me be the real me, right? And then you show that you're his intimate friend, okay? When uh, you uh, demonstrate love. 
when you obey his commandment of love. Uh, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Okay. So this is Jesus saying, you know what? I'm not, I'm not in relationship with a servant. I'm in relationship with you as my friends, as my intimate friends. As your, as your, uh, younger sibling, <laughs> you're, you're my younger sibling because he's the eldest brother of all humanity. And so, um, he's never called his servants. And in the old testament, it talks all about servant, servant, servant doing. If you do this and you get that, it was tit for tat. It was earning righteousness. It was earning blessing. It was toiling to receive the blessing, all this kind of stuff. And that was like, now that's not never been it. That's never been it. This is Jesus veiled. And that's the problem. But in the new day, he unveils himself. He's like, you were never my servants. Now I do expect you to serve because love serves, but you serve because you love, not because you're a servant. You serve because you're my intimate friend. You're my, uh, um, you're my bride. You're my um, younger sibling, all of that. You serve because of that, because you know who you are and you love and you're fulfilling the commandment of love. So you will serve, but you're not a servant. As a matter of fact, I, Jesus, came to serve you because I love you and we need to be served. We need to be saved. We've got issues. Okay. But I call you. Oh. Uh, and then he reveals to us what his father's doing. So he reveals to us like kingdom secrets. Well, as you're intimate with God, he reveals things from God to you. Uh, because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master's doing. So, and we don't, right? A lot of times we are so clueless with what God is doing. We're like, God, are you there? Do you care? Do you even exist? You know, God, you know, I'm praying. I know you're there, but it looks like you're doing nothing. You know, I'll... <laughs> And this is the human condition. Okay. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit. So you've been chosen and he's saying, tag, you're it, go bear fruit. <laughs> right. Commissioned, released, empowered, ordained to, and your fruit will last. This is eternal fruit. Right. As you remain in me and me and you, you'll bear much fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things in line with that. But doing things that serve and love, whether it's others, whether it's yourself, this is not selfishness. You need to take care of yourself. This is loving yourself as you are loved and then you're able to love others. This is like the win-win. God is always into the win-win. And your fruit will last because whatever I, you ask of my father for my sake, he will give it to you. This is my parting command. Okay, this is his final, final thing. Okay, he's got one more shot. Love each other deeply. That's his, that's his thing. Love each other deeply, right? We're to be famous for love by this. They will know that you're my disciples. Well, it's not, but a lot of times we've made it about like not sinning. We do crappy. Anybody else seen that, seen the church? We just do crappy. But let me just say this. Humanity does crappy. It's not just a church. Okay. So it's not that they will know you by your 
holy perfection, although we're growing in that, okay? It's that they will know you by your love, right? And that, and love covers a multitude of sins. Why? Because love forgives sins. It doesn't say sins are okay. It says that was not okay, but you're forgiven. Um, So let's go to John 17. Uh, This is Jesus praying to Father God. This is his final prayer um, that he gets with his disciples before he's crucified, right? The night before he's crucified. And he says, and I ask not only for these disciples, so this is Jesus asking for us, but also for those who one day will believe in me through their message. Ding, da, ding, ding. That's you and me. All of the people God is discipling or teaching as students. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. So when we're united, now we don't unite around um, theology. We don't unite around um, agreement in like everything. Is there a hell? What does hell look like? Should we be baptized full immersion, a little sprinkling? It's, it's not this. We unite around a person, around love. That is his glory poured out on us. And this is our unity. And this is how the world will recognize that he was sent. For the very glory you've given me, I have given them. So that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. So God is like pouring out his glory in us and actually from inside out. As we look more like love, we look more glorious because it's who we are. This is our nature uh, before the foundation of the world. For the glory you've given me, I have given them, and they will be joined together as one experience the same unity we enjoy. We, Our destiny is to be so united in heart by love with the glory and empowerment that God's poured out that we will look as one human being to human being, brother to sister, as Father God to Jesus. This is God redeeming all things. It says, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. Why will they be convinced? For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father God loves each one of you, loves you, make it personal loves me with the same love, the same, no, not just, okay, all right, I love you because I have to because this is my job description. No, the same passionate love that Father God has for Jesus. Why, you're his daughter, you're his son, and that's how much he loves you. And it's a passionate love that continues to pursue despite your crappy behavior, despite your cluelessness, despite your rejecting him, despite you rebelling against him, despite for you rejecting people and harming people and harming yourself, despite all that mess, he has the same love. Father God is the same love for you as uh, he has for Jesus. Jesus has the same love for you let me make sure I say this correctly, that the father has for him, okay? This is how radically you're loved 
and this happened before you were ever born, and God does not change. He doesn't say, oh, I loved you before you were born, but oh my God, what a mess. You, wow, I can't love that. Oh my goodness, he's wild about you. Listen, if he doesn't, if he's not wild about you in your most despicable time, he doesn't love you unconditionally. And he just is. And so because he's wild about you in the most despicable places that maybe you can't even mention, they're kind of unutterable evil type thing. Um, that's where he's, he dives into to heal and deliver that. Let's go to first John four seven, um, passion translation for those who are loved by God. Let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. So let me just say, are you loved by God? I hope you're saying yes. We, this is what the whole discussion is about. <laughs> yes, I'm loved by God. Let his love continually pour from you to one another. So because God is love, he's not looking for your service. Um, he's looking to love you so much that you just can't help but love the one in front of you. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. So let me just ask you, does that mean if you don't love, you're not fathered by God? No. That means as you recognize that you're fathered by God, who is love, you're able to love. That's the empowerment to love in a dark, fallen, painful world. And that empowers you to experience an intimate knowledge of him. So you don't disqualify yourself from being a son and daughter of God by not loving. It means that you're clueless about who is your father. So you're having a hard time loving. Okay. This is waking humanity out of its delusion that somehow they're not fathered by God. They're or a delusion about who God is. And God is love, right? The one who doesn't love has yet to know God for God is love. Well, ding, 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 ding. If you don't love, you don't know him because he's love. But guess what? That means, wow, you get to grow in your knowledge of him, which is eternal life. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. So there's God, Trinity saying, we're going in, we're going in. So it wasn't just Jesus going in. It was Father in Christ. It was Holy Spirit in Christ. They're going in. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world at our darkest when we crucified love. Okay, this is love. Okay, help us, Jesus. He loved us long before we loved him. So he's not looking for you to love him in order love to, to love. He just loves you. Whether you love him, hate him, give him the fine finger, it's irrelevant. He still loves you. We are not powerful enough to change God's opinion of us. It was his love, not ours. Thank you. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Okay. So this was God saying, we're going in. We're going to be the offering to take away our sinful ways of being. Okay. Delightfully loved ones. Let me just help you. Um, oh yeah, that's you. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. This is what we're heading in. We're growing in the ability to love one another, right? 
No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in him and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, does that mean that when we're not loving, God vacates? No, we're not that powerful. It just means the experience of our union with him. Remember, it's already happened. So he's already chosen us, united uh, us to him. And we experience that as a home. This is his resting place in us and us in him. And love is brought to its fullest expression in us. We have come into an intimate experience of God's love and we trust in the love that God has for us. So this is growing. We have the capacity to grow in this. Those who are living in God, uh, sorry, those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. So when we're, when we're experiencing and growing in our capacity to experience his love, we're able to love. That's called living in love. And God is living through us. This is Jesus through a Catherine suit. This is Jesus through a Bob suit. This is Jesus through a Mary suit, whatever, right? By living in God, love is brought to his full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. We look just like Jesus in our flavor. Love never brings fear for fear is already rated, uh, related to punishment, but love's perfection drives fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks consist, constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. You don't know how loved you are. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. That is radical love that casts out fear because he does not want to have you tormented. Anyway, I hope this has been a blessing for you today. Meditate on these scriptures. Go back, listen again, look them up yourself, make notes, rest with it. Because he said the same thing 500 different ways, sort of. Well, whatever. Yeah, he has, but I haven't read them all. (laughs) Anyway, I hope this is a blessing for you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.